0: section 78 of curiosities of literature volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org curiosities of literature volume 2 by isaac disraeli shenstone's schoolmistress the inimitable schoolmistress of shenstone is one of the felicities of genius but the purpose of this poem has been entirely misconceived johnson acknowledging this charming effusion to be the most pleasing of shenstone's productions observes i know not what claim it has to stand among the moral works the truth is that it was intended for quite a different class by the author and dodsley the editor of his works must have strangely blundered in designating it a moral poem it may be classed with a species of poetry till recently rare in our language and which we sometimes find among the italians in their rima piacevoli voli or poesie burlesca which do not always consist of low humour in a facetious style with jingling rhymes to which form we attach our idea of a burlesque poem there is a refined species of ludicrous poetry which is comic yet tender luserie yet elegant and with such a blending of the serious and the facetious that the result of such a poem may often among its other pleasures produce a sort of ambiguity so that we do not always know whether the writer is laughing at his subject or whether he is to be laughed at our admirable whistlecraft met this fate footnote prospectus and specimen of an intended national work by william and robert whistlecraft of stowe market in suffolk harness and collar makers intended to comprise the most interesting particulars relating to king arthur and his round table the real author of mr whistlecraft's specimen was the right honourable j hookham frere who has the merit of having first introduced the italian burlesque style into our literature lord byron composed his beppo confessedly after this example it is he writes a humorous poem in and after the excellent manner of mr whistlecraft who published this specimen only which was little read the schoolmistress of shenstone has been admired for its simplicity and tenderness not for its exquisitely ludicrous turn this discovery i owe to the good fortune of possessing the edition of the schoolmistress which the author printed under his own directions and to his own fancy footnote. the original edition was printed in seventeen fifty seven without engravings they occur only in that which is described in our text End of footnote to this piece of ludicrous poetry as he calls it lest it should be mistaken he added a ludicrous index purely to show fools that i am in jest but the fool his subsequent editor who i regret to say was robert dodsley thought proper to suppress this amusing ludicrous index and the consequence is as the poet foresaw that his aim has been mistaken the whole history of this poem and this edition may be traced in the printed correspondence of shenstone our poet had pleased himself by ornamenting a sixpenny pamphlet with certain seemly designs of his and for which he came to town to direct the engraver he appears also to have intended accompanying it with the deformed portrait of my old school dame sarah lloyd the frontispiece to this first edition represents the thatched house of his old schoolmistress and before it is the birch-tree with the sun setting and gilding the scene he writes on this i have the first sheet to correct upon the table i have laid aside the thoughts of fame a good deal in this unpromising scheme and fixed them upon the landscape which is engraving the red letter which i propose and the fruit-piece which you see being the most seemly ornaments of the first sixpenny pamphlet that was ever so highly honoured i shall incur the same reflection with Ogleby of having nothing good but my decorations i expect that in your neighbourhood and in warwickshire there should be twenty of my poems sold i print it myself i am pleased with mine's engravings on the publication shenstone has opened his idea on its poetical characteristic i dare say it must be very incorrect for i have added eight or ten stanzas within this fortnight but inaccuracy is more excusable in ludicrous poetry than in any other if it strikes any it must be merely people of taste for people of wit without taste which comprehends the larger part of the critical tribe will unavoidably despise it i have been at some pains to recover myself from a f- phi asterisk, 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 misfortune of mere childishness little charm of placid mien c i have added a ludicrous index purely to show fools that i am in jest and my motto o qua sol habitabilis orus maxima principum is calculated for the same purpose you cannot conceive how large the number is of those that mistake burlesque for the very foolishness it exposes which observation I made once at the rehearsal at Tom Thumb at Chrono Hautanthologus all which are pieces of elegant humour. I have some mind to pursue this caution further and advertise it the schoolmistress, etc. a very childish performance, everybody knows no worum more, but if a person seriously calls this or rather burlesque a childish or low species of poetry he says wrong for the most regular and formal poetry may be called trifling folly and weakness in comparison of what is written with a more manly spirit in ridicule of it this edition is now lying before me with its splendid red letter its seemly designs and what is more precious its index shenstone who had greatly pleased himself with his graphical inventions at length found that his engraver mind had sadly bungled with the poet's ideal vexed and disappointed he writes i have been plagued to death about the ill execution of my designs nothing is certain in london but expense which i can ill bear the truth is that what is placed in the landscape over the thatched house and the birch-tree is like a falling monster rather than a setting sun but the fruit-piece at the end the grapes the plums the melon and the catherine pears mr mind has made sufficiently tempting this edition contains only twenty-eight stanzas which were afterwards enlarged to thirty-five several stanzas have been omitted and they have also passed through many corrections and some improvements which show that shenstone had more judgment and felicity in severe correction than perhaps is suspected some of these i will point out Footnote i have usually found the schoolmistress printed without numbering the stanzas to enter into the present view it will be necessary for the reader to do this himself with a pencil mark in the second stanza the first edition has in every mart that stands on britain's isle in every village less revealed to fame dwells there in cottage known about a mile a matron old whom we schoolmistress name improved thus in every village marked with little spire embowered in trees and hardly known to fame there dwells in lowly shed and mean attire a matron old whom we schoolmistress name the eighth stanza in the first edition runs the gown which o'er her shoulders thrown she had was russet stuff who knows not russet stuff great comfort to her mind that she was clad in texture of her own all strong and tough nay did she e'er complain nay deem it rough c more elegantly descriptive is the dress as now delineated a russet stole was o'er her shoulders thrown a russet kirtle fenced the nipping air twas simple russet but it was her own twas her own country bred the flock so fair twas her own labour did the fleece prepare c the additions made to the first edition consist of the eleven twelve thirteen fourteen and fifteenth stanzas in which are so beautifully introduced the herbs and garden stores and the psalmody of the schoolmistress the twenty ninth and thirtieth stanzas were also subsequent insertions but those lines which give so original a view of genius in its infancy a little bench of heedless bishops here and there a chancellor in embryo c were printed in seventeen forty two and i cannot but think that the far-famed stanza in gray's elegy where he discovers men of genius in peasants as shenstone has in children was suggested by this original conception some mute inglorious milton here may rest some cromwell guiltless of his country's blood is to me a congenial thought with an echoed turn of expression of the lines from the schoolmistress i shall now restore the ludicrous index and adapt it to the stanzas of the later edition introduction stanza 1 the subject proposed 2 a circumstance in the situation of the mansion of early discipline discovering the surprising influence of the connection of ideas 3 a simile introducing a deprecation of the joyless effects of bigotry and superstition four some peculiarities indicative of a country school with a short sketch of the sovereign presiding over it five some account of her nightcap apron and a tremendous description of her birchen sceptre six a parallel instance of the advantages of legal government with regard to children and the wind seven her gown eight her titles and punctilious nicety in the ceremonious assertion of them a digression concerning her hands presumptuous behaviour with a circumstance tending to give the cautious reader a more accurate idea of the officious diligence and economy of an old woman ten. A view of this rural potentate as seated in her chair of state conferring honors distributing bounties and dispersing proclamations 16 her policies 17 the action of the poem commences with a general summons follows a particular description of the artful structure decoration and fortifications of an horn bible 18 a surprising picture of sisterly affection by way of episode twenty twenty one a short list of the methods now in use to avoid a whipping which nevertheless follows twenty two the force of example twenty three a sketch of the particular symptoms of obstinacy as they discover themselves in a child with a simile illustrating a blubbered face twenty four twenty five twenty six a hint of great importance twenty seven the piety of the poet in relation to that school dame's memory who had the first formation of a certain patriot this stanza has been left out in the later editions it refers to the duke of Argyle the secret connection between whipping and rising in the world with a view as it were through a perspective of the same little folk in the highest posts and reputation 28 an account of the nature of an embryo fox hunter another stanza omitted a deviation to an huckster's shop 32 which being continued for the space of three stanzas gives the author an opportunity of paying his compliments to a particular county which he gladly seizes concluding his piece with respectful mention of the ancient and loyal city of shrewsbury end of section seventy eight